Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. D-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. Hurts, keeping, first down, and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by BetOnline.ag and sponsored by BetterHealth.com. Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network. Co-host Connor Miles and my co-host Ed Kras, as always. And Ed, I just want to get into this episode without even going over these ad reads because I'm just so frustrated. I, I mean, you're a beat writer. I'm more of a fan, blogger at sometimes, but I'm way more of a fan. And I feel like I've been bamboozled. And I've just been full out betrayed by a good friend. And the funny thing is, a lot of people are like, why are you acting like this guy's falling? You're 10 and 3. Why are you panicking? They still control their destiny. That's all great and everything. But they got spanked by the two teams that are standing in their way of going back to the Super Bowl. Got absolutely spanked. It was like they didn't even belong in that tier with those teams, those games. They didn't look like they belonged at all. So... That's it's not about the losses. It's about how they lost is the best quote I've seen about it the whole entire week, because that's exactly how I feel. How can I feel confident going to the playoffs playing? I know I know the Eagles beat Dallas once, but did it compared to what Dallas just did to them? Dallas could have won that game the first one around. And they won this game easily this time around. And San Francisco didn't have a problem at all. So how can I feel confident going into the playoffs? The playoffs, knowing that those are the two teams that stand in your way of going back to the Super Bowl, and you lay down like dogs to them like that. It's I feel betrayed. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I hope you didn't book your uh, hotel reservations in Las Vegas because uh, it's going to be a a real uphill climb to to get to Las Vegas in Super Bowl fifty. What is it, fifty eight? Yep. Come February, I mean. Uh, you know, look, the, there were a lot of flaws, even in going 10 and one when they won 10 games. We we saw flaws. You know, they talked about how they haven't played their best game of the year yet, um, that we're going to see it. And but we saw flaws. I mean, they they fell behind. One of the big things to me is they've just started slowly and they get behind and you have to expend a lot of physical and emotional uh, energy to get back in games. I mean, six straight games, they've fallen behind at halftime by double digits. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of these games, you, you can't keep coming back like that. And they came back in four of them. They didn't come back against the Niners or the Cowboys, but that takes its toll mentally. You know, Nick Sirianni was asked on Monday or Tuesday today uh, if the team's tired. 
And he said, no, but I don't know if you can really look at a, a player and say, maybe physically he's not tired, but mentally uh, you could be shot. And to me, they just look like they're mentally fried. And, you know, I, I think that's part of it. I mean, there's so many pieces and components to what's happened these last two weeks. And certainly the coaching is a big part of it. Um, you know, I saw Les Bowen, you know, long time uh, Philadelphia Daily News sports writer, now retired. He covered the Philadelphia Flyers. His first year on the Flyers beat, they missed the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. And he said Mark Howe, the defenseman on that team, Hall of Fame defenseman, told him that when things go bad, everything is the problem. And that is what we're seeing is there is everything is a problem suddenly with this team. Like we saw the flaws in the first eight to 10 weeks of the season, but, you know, we're, we're seeing things just completely unravel in every single area on the field from coaching to personnel to scheme to play calling uh, both sides of the ball, offense and defense. And it's just a disaster. And it gives you very little reason to hold out any kind of hope that they're going to get it turned around on Monday night in Seattle. Uh, you know, and even beyond that, you still have the Giants twice who all, all of a sudden have won, what is it, three or four straight games? And they have this quarterback, Tommy DeVito, who's igniting, you know, the, the New York City, New Jersey area with his play. And the Cardinals are suddenly, you got to wonder, Jonathan Gannon coming back to coach against his old team. You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, there's really no hope that they're, they're going to win another game. I know they will, but it, there's just not a lot of, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence going into the play. right now. It's bleak. You can call what it is. It is. Yeah. It's very bleak right now. And yeah. take your blinders I, I off if you disagree, to be honest with you. There's, there's nothing you can hang your hat on and say, oh, okay, well, they're doing this well, but, but they're not doing anything well. Uh, nothing. So you have that's what kind of drains you of hope is that you can't say, well, we we're doing this okay, and but you can't say anything about anything good that's going on with this team right now. Doug Peterson went through this period with the Eagles as well when he lost all his coaches around him that he came into the Philadelphia with, and he promoted from within for some for the offense coordinator and. Uh, he kept Jim Schwartz, so it's really with the offensive staff that kind of you know fell apart under Peterson's tenure, and you know many of us thought that led to his demise in Philadelphia. Now, I don't think that that's happening here. I really don't, to be honest with you, Ed. I know everybody's so quick to kill Brian Johnson, wants Brian Johnson out of Philly and done being the offensive coordinator, but I actually just think it's not Brian Johnson's fault. I think it's Nick Sirianni's fault. I think you kind of opened my eyes up to everything that's going on in that building where we don't really understand or know that, you know, you opened our eyes on this last episode of how these guys go into a game plan. And now it's being talked about more. So this past couple of weeks on WIP and other platforms as well, Nick Sirianni and Baron Johnson are co-tandem in there making the script together. Like this isn't just Brian Johnson calling the plays. This is something that they agreed upon beforehand of how they're going to attack the game. So at that point, why are you pointing your fingers at the offensive coordinator? Because that's 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 a scapegoat at that point. If he if he's making this script and these plays with the head coach together in unison, and he's just a play caller calling him, but he's he has the input from the head coach. Why are you pointing your fingers at the offensive coordinator? That's on the head coach. And I'm gonna tell you right now, these last two games, they look like they don't want to play at all. They look like they get I mean, that first drive against Dallas, this defense looked like they did not want to be there. 
they did not want to be on the field whatsoever. They looked completely already like they lost. They let Dallas walk down the field with no problem whatsoever. No problem at all. And you're coming off a game in San Fran- against San Francisco where you gave up touchdowns on six straight possessions for the 49ers. The only time it was stopped was a kneel down to end the game, or the Niners probably would have made it seven. So then you, you think, okay, well, you know, they just got their butt kicked. They're going to come out and they're going to play better. And then the first half against Dallas, Dallas has four possessions. They score a touchdown, kick a field goal, and then score two more touchdowns. They scored touchdowns these last two games on nine of the first of the last 10 drives. Um, It's just, it's absurd uh, to think that. Now, listen, I said there's no hope, and there probably isn't, but Michael Clay and his special teams, (laughs) the best play of that game on Sunday night was the fake punt. I mean, I still don't know when the last time. No, the Eagles are screwed when we're saying that the special teams unit is their best unit on the team. Right, but imagine that. Like last year, the special teams were terrible. This year, Braden Mann has played, has punted well since taking over. Britton Covey has returned well. You don't see flags on the special teams units. The Eagles had 10 penalties on Sunday night. Uh, And I think before we went on the air, you said the Eagles have given up 26 first downs on third downs via penalty. 26 penalties on third down that have given other teams first downs. So the 26 um, ranked in the league. Oh, 26 ranked in the league. Yeah. Okay. All right. So not 20. So, but not good. 26 oh. ranked. You know, but the special teams, they're they're not committing penalties. You rarely see that happen. And Braden, man, that was exciting. So what did the Eagles do with all that momentum? A 28-yard completion from your punter to a wide receiver that has not been developed to has seven catches this year. You kick a field goal. You know, you can't even stick it in the end zone. You got to settle for a field goal. Just terrible. Just just terrible not to take advantage of that momentum. Uh, you know, and you mentioned the fact that they they looked like they didn't want to play. I mean, three fumbles. They fumbled the ball three times from their superstars. That's a good indicator that, yeah, we're, we're not focused. We're not ready to play. Something's going on with this team. And, you know, Nick Sirianni's now getting heat for because he doesn't motion at all they're like the last in teams at motion pre-snap on offense i don't think that's brian johnson i think if you go back and look when he was the oc in florida for the one year there was plenty of motion i i think that's a nick sirianni thing he doesn't want to motion just for the sake of motioning and that's a bad philosophy now I, i'm not you know listen all the stuff is coming to the surface now you know, we didn't talk about that for weeks and weeks and weeks because it wasn't an issue. But now you're wondering, okay, well, if this offense has become what looks like to me is stagnant, unimaginative, I think that's Nick Sirianni. I don't think that's Brian Johnson. Uh, you know, I think he would motion if he could motion. I think if he had more of a free run of the offense, this team might play better. But I think Sirianni might be holding him back. And that's my point that you're just expanding on. We're pointing the finger at the wrong guy. Yeah. And I love Nick Sirianni. I, I want Nick Sirianni to be the Eagles head coach for as long as Andy Reid was the Eagles head coach. I really do. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great motivator. I think he built a great culture here in Philadelphia. But at the same time, you, you can always adapt and change. And I, I I agree with you. I don't. I always think we're so quick to plan the offensive coordinator. We're so quick to plan the defense quarter, which I will do so later on in the show. But <laughs> it, it you have to really look at the whole grand scheme of things, and if. Brian Johnson is making this script together with Nick Sirianni, and this is the way that they're performing the script. How do you sit there and blame Brian Johnson at that point? I just don't understand. That doesn't make sense to me. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't start pointing fingers. And Fletcher Cox talked about it after the game is, you know, hey, we're still one. We're still in all in, all in together. Um, but, boy, those guys look shell-shocked after that game. The players look really shell-shocked. It's in Kelsey. Uh, yeah. Body language says it all. Yeah. And, and even hurts to me on the sideline. Like, everybody talks about how he's kind of this robot. But he looked a little kind of mopey to me. You know, he looked like he was uh, – his body language wasn't the best. And – you know, I have to wonder if there's kind of this, uh, I don't know, this schism between players and the coaches and what the coaches are teaching and what they're calling and the game plans they're putting together. And we're starting to see some of that kind of bubble over. Um, and, and maybe that's concerning the players. And that's why they look so shell-shocked, you know. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. That's a pretty dead-on theory if you take into account the report that Derek Gunn just put out about the anonymous Eagles player telling him that the offense is just too predictable. And I already think I know who told him that. It's kind of a, it's actually the reason why I formed this opinion was so quick in my head of this is the guy who's telling him this stuff is because of what you said last episode. AJ Brown's an open book to you guys, apparently off the record. I mean, that seems like something that he would say because he's talking about the routes taking too long to develop. That looks like a wide receiver saying that. AJ Brown's an open book. I mean, I'm not going to point fingers, make accusations. It's not an investigation discovery podcast, but uh, I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter. No matter what, a player on the Eagles who clearly has a role on this team thinks that the offense is too predictable. So you might be right about that theory. Well, so here we go. That's kind of a finger pointing situation right there. And that's something that can't, you know, these leaders on the team can't allow. And Brown's a leader. He's a captain on this team. So, but you can't allow that kind of thing to fester. Um, and uh, listen, if, if Nick Sirianni doesn't win another game the rest of the year, and I know we're getting our head ahead of ourselves, but there's four games left. Um, but if you finish this season at 10 and what, seven after starting out 10 and one, I, I'm not sure he's coming back. And I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. It's a little too ahead of yourself, it, I think. But I know, yeah. but things really could, you know, blow up. And again, uh, I'm speaking with someone who has no hope, nowhere to hang my hat and say, okay, this is what they're doing well. They're not – can you name anything at all that you see? Uh, special teams aside and Braden Mann as a punter, all that stuff. Offense and defense, is there anything at all that gives you hope that they can turn this around? Anything. And win a game. Just win another game again. They'll win another game. They'll, they won't get swept by the Giants. Oh, they won't. They should beat the Giants, but I'm not so sure now. So – Anything at all? Do you see anything at all? You can that hat you have on your head, the Eagles hat that you're wearing so proudly on your head down there. And I really wasn't though. I really this took me. It took me. What is today? Tuesday? Yeah, it took me a full day. And I, I really, I wore my Yankee stuff yesterday. To be honest with you, I was. <laughs> I'm so done with them right now. They're complete frauds. They tricked me, but I can't ignore the ability to come out overcome adversity. I know it's not happening right now against Dallas and San Francisco. I'm going to be honest with you. Hats off to San Francisco and hats off to Dallas for taking advantage of the Eagles' biggest weaknesses. Because that's what they did. They really did. They they knew what the Eagles struggled with, and they went after them and attacked them from both sides of it, and it worked. Beautiful. And they, and they have the personnel to do it. They you do. Know? A lot of teams can look at that blueprint and say, well, we'll just do the same thing. But they don't have the, the same kind of players that Dallas. Oh, Nick Bosa said that. He's a joke. Because I'm like, yeah, you guys can say that because you guys, for some reason, have unlimited cap room and get these quarterbacks from the like the bargain basement and succeed in that Kyle Shanahan system so that you can get a Chase Young at the trade deadline, a reigning Gregory before the season starts and all this other stuff. Like that, that doesn't bother me that he said that because no other team's built like San Francisco. But 
You're right. I mean, there's Dallas and and those are the guys that are in front of you that are stopping you from going to the Super Bowl. So of course it's a worrisome when you play like that against those teams. But this the way that the and this is Nick Sirianni's culture from day one, the way that they overcome adversity is why I can have faith still. But at the same time, I mean, come on, those games they looked like they didn't belong in the same tier of those teams. They need to do something to wake up. They, somebody a leader needs to step up and say enough of the of hanging our hats enough of you know, resorting to social media. The first thing that we can get to is I've seen a couple of leaders on this team jump to social media right away when they probably should be in the locker room discussing this loss a little bit further, if you ask me, but that's just my opinion. Um, I know people can multitask too, but I, it just, it doesn't seem like the priorities are the right. I mean, you just said it yourself without saying it. It doesn't seem like the priorities are, are all there in that locker room right now. Yeah, and I don't know how this fracture occurred, you know. I mean, I know obviously you lose two games the way they did to really not even compete in those games. I mean, two field goals from your offense against the Cowboys, I mean, that's just just ridiculous. Um, I think the fracture occurred when everything was so easy last year offensively and it was everything was flowing so beautifully, and this year has there's never been a flow on offense. I think it's just boiling over. That's just frustration of we're capable of getting this done. Why do we have the top three wide receiver tandem. Why do we have a top five tight end? Why do we have a running back that's so productive when he has the balls in his hand? And we're like this on offense. I'd be well, frustrated with that too. I am. Look, the most glaring. <laughs> they, they only targeted three players in the passing game in Dallas. They only threw the ball to three players, Brown, Smith, and Goddard. There has they didn't throw it to anybody else. There has been Julio Jones, Howard, Howie Roseman goes out and signs Julio Jones, and people are excited. The guy's a Hall of Famer. He's healthy. And and what does he do? He's got eight, eight, eight games. He's got five catches. They haven't figured out how to develop a third receiver here. I know Quez Watkins was out a bunch of games, but he even he had, what, 33 catches last year behind Brown and, and, uh, and Smith. Uh, he's got seven this year. Oz Lamade is the case has seven. Julio Jones has five. They have not developed another option. It, it's predictable. If you're a defense, you say, well, let's just, you know, we'll gang up on these three guys because that's where they're going. They don't care about Wes Watkins or Zacchaeus or Julio because they're not throwing the ball to them. So you just know what you need to take away. And it's only those three players. And that's what the 49ers and that's what the Cowboys did. That to me is ridiculous. High school teams throw the ball to more than just three players. Terrible, terrible uh, coaching job there. And I'm going to be honest with you. That's kind of the Eagle scheme this year is our guys are going to beat your guys at the end of the day. That's what they were so heavily relying on. And I'm going to be honest with you. And like you're saying yourself, San Francisco and Dallas can accept that challenge. The winner of the AFC, if they were to make the Super Bowl, which what the defense is looking right now, I don't know about that. And we'll get into that right after this. But if they were to, AFC team's going to do the same thing. They're going to say, okay, challenge accepted. Luckily, they can get away with it against these other teams that they've beaten. Now, you can't get away with it against San Francisco and Dallas. You never had a counterpunch for it, and that's the problem. And that's why I think that's what the scheme is really is. It's dependent on our guys being better than your guys. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, A.J. Brown's killing the 49ers with the quick slants early in the game, right? Quick slant, quick slant, boom, boom, catch, run, catch, run, first down. And then doesn't catch a quick slant again the rest of the game. Why? Why, why, didn't, why didn't you go back to that? 
that was working. Did they do something so drastic that took it away that said, hey, okay, well, we can't do it anymore? I don't know. I don't think so. Again, coaching. It comes down to coaching. Um, Howie Roseman, to me, has assembled a talented roster. Now, maybe you could say, okay, there's some faults on defense, obviously. Linebacker, the back seven, um, you know, not strong enough. But you think Slay and Bradbury, okay, these are veteran guys. They should be able to, you know, be competent. Bradbury's having a real tough year. Slay is okay. But, you know, they're safeties. You know, Blankenship hurt again. Uh, you know, the heartbeat of that team, like I think I saw you tweet out, he's the heart of the heart and soul of that back end. But this will be probably the third game he's going to miss. All right, so who's your backups? you got a rookie and you got a, a veteran who you traded for. You don't have anybody else. So, yeah, there are some holes on, on this roster. But Roseman, to me, has done a, a good enough job on offense assembling talent. And you're not scoring any touchdowns against the Cowboys. You scored, what, two against the 49ers? You, you should be putting up 30 points a game with this offense, and, and they're not doing it. You should be able to outscore the other team. And that was kind of the mindset coming in. Howie Roseman gave him the offensive of weaponry, uh, you know, has addressed the offensive line, and he built a defensive line strong where you can rush the passer. Uh, that should be enough to, to just put 30 points on the board and hope to hold the other team to 25, 26 a game, and you win. But, you know, to me, it's not happening. I mean, it's just uh, ridiculous that they can't score a touchdown on offense against the Cowboys. And that, with this talent that they have on this team, with your MVP runner-up, with two superstar receivers who have the most yards of any tandem in the league, uh, wide receiver-wise, and then your tight end's back. And what does he do? Not much. I mean, what, a couple catches, 30, 40 yards? Not much. It's just not being operated or, or you know, they're not putting a plan in place to take advantage of what these players can do. And uh, it's not Roseman's fault. It's – Sirianni and company, in my opinion. No, I agree with you. I agree with that opinion. I mean, these guys can't fumble either. These these players are not absolved from absolute. I mean, absolved from the issue as well. And uh, they 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 take it in the heat. They take it the criticism for it because at the end of the day, if those fumbles don't happen and the Eagles actually score those drives, like the Hurts fumble, they score that drive. If uh, Devontae makes that catch, if AJ makes that one catch, I mean, the the whole entire dynamic of the game, the offense, we're having a whole different discussion here. So. Yeah. It's also the players need to execute, but this offense just needs to dumb itself down. That's what it is. At this point in the season, uh, the, the only way that you can save this all, you can't change play callers. You can't change the system. That It's too late. It's too late for all of that. And I don't think changing the play callers is going to do anything here in no. this situation either, to be honest. People say Frank Reich, you know, bring him in. People Let's bring say- in the guy that just got fired from back-to-back jobs for how yeah. bad his offenses have been. Let's Matt do that. Patricia on defense. Let's bring him You know, you just – and Nick addressed that today. He's not planning any changes. I mean, that they've won 10 games, you know, uh, and that's kind of his crutch is, hey, we've won 10 games. Uh, Those changes are too drastic to make. In a, in yeah, 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 they are. they are. They are. Absolutely. A, that's an unrealistic expectation for people to have uh, of this team to fire these guys because it's not going to happen. It's just kind of a joke to bring that up. But uh, it's the only way that you can change is if you dumb things down. And I'm going to use a perfect example here, and it might not be the best example for people to hear because of their circumstances right now. But look what the Bengals are doing with Jake Browning and a quarterback. They just went completely and dumbed everything down. They're like, we're going to start running our ball, the ball more. We're going to lean on Chase Brown. We're going to lean on Joe Mixon. We're going to let Ch- uh, Jake Browning be the game manager, and we're just going to flow with it. And yeah. it's working very well for them. That's yeah. what the Eagles should be doing to be honest with you. They should say, let's let DeAndre Swift set the tone because nine carries in the first half of these last three games combined is unacceptable. 
That doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't help them. So let's go ahead and dumb it down. Let's run the ball. Let's balance this offense out. Let's, like you're saying, get more guys involved that they don't expect to see coming. Because that's the only way that you're going to be improved as an offense if you just dumb it down. Don't let these long developing wide receiver routes continue going on. Quick slants to me is dumbing it down. Curl flats to me is dumbing it down. These long developing plays where Jalen Hearns has to throw the I mean, hold on to the ball for more than three seconds, that's oh, that's making it more complex than it needs to be. Yeah. Julio Jones at one time was a really good over-the-middle receiver, kind of like A.J. Brown can run the quick slants. Have we seen any quick slants to Julio Jones? Maybe one. That went I mean, into- people are going to laugh at you for, for making these points about Julio Jones, and I, I, I kind of get it because at the same time, I think he's cooked. But he did well for he did well enough for Tampa last year. That would have been well enough for Eagles wide receiver three production. If he's cooked, then why didn't they just cut him and keep Christian Ellis on the roster? You know, if the Eagles thought he was cooked, why is he still here? Because they're deferring to a Hall of Fame player. If you don't have anything left, you don't have anything left. Sorry, it didn't work out. Enjoy retirement. They botched the Christian away. Ellis thing. They botched that situation. Oh, that's my point. Is if he had if he didn't have anything left. I think the Eagles would have got rid of him. So they must think he has something left, but they haven't shown that they think. Can we trust that though? Because they keep Rashad Penny around as a water boy. So I don't know. I I don't know if they have the best record in that right now. Albert O plays what 40 snaps uh, before Goddard comes back the game before and the 49ers doesn't get a single target. You know, the tight end non-existent. There was nothing done to make up for the loss of Goddard. That's why I keep Chris the Zach Ertz dream goodbye, guys. It's not happening. It's no. that Zach Ertz dream. As much as he wants to come back to the Eagles, as much as Howie Rubin wants it to happen, that's not happening with the way that Nick Sirianni is running this offense right now. And there's no way. If I'm him, I'm like, well, I don't think the Eagles are a contender anymore. Maybe I'll go to Baltimore. You know, heck, why not? I mean, Shaq Leonard, they bring him in off the street. Now, I know he doesn't get the, you know, doesn't still learning. You, you took heat for that. To, uh, that's weird. I saw. <laughs> yeah. For, I mean, but 14 snaps for, for somebody that, you know, you, you got a defense out there for what did they have to defend? 80 snaps again. I mean, they've been playing 80 snaps a game. Uh, I don't know. I might've used them a little more. I mean, he was, didn't have any kind of impact. Why not up his snaps by 10? Um, I don't know. The whole thing is just strange uh, to me. The utilization of the players, like you mentioned, Rashad Penny, where's he been? They don't throw to Julio Jones. Why even bother having him on the roster? Uh, Albert O, you know, haven't thrown him a pass all year. I don't know. makes no sense. Rashad Leonard, you bring him in. You know, don't don't play much. Now, maybe his role will grow because he'll pick up more of the defense. But oh, Absolutely. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, listen, he's here for five games. Throw him out there. Yeah. When defense you're not that linebacker, throw him out there. Yeah, your defense isn't stopping anybody anyway. <laughs> throw somebody else out there. Give somebody else a try. It's just terrible. Now, I will say Sidney Brown, you know, I liked what I saw from Sidney Brown, more or less. Probably should have been playing him from the get-go. You know, he'd be a lot further along in this development. Um, but he's a player that maybe you can hang your hat on here going forward, but it's not enough. And that's the shame of it. I mean, this defense is just, I mean, you ran through the numbers. This defense is bottom five in just about every measurable stat out there. So I did that all fair. So let me, let's get into that real quick. Cause that's what we're going to focus on the conversation next is the defense. So I don't know how I'm first, I'm going to say, off start off with this. I'm going to eat crow on the Sean Desai takes that we had earlier in the season about they would win the Super Bowl with him and 
all this good stuff that we crowned him for because we were wrong. We were wrong. He's not that good. And I, you can you can say you know you have to blame the players and always the coaching. When they are thirty first in passing touchdowns allowed compared to I believe they were first last year in passing touchdowns allowed. I know they were number one in giving up yards per game in the past game, one seventy something, and they're over two sixty now. I mean, it's point a, is they were one of the top teams in yeah. pass defense last year, and now they're right. bottom of the league. And everybody's quick response is, "Well, these guys are washed at corner." In one season, no, 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 no. <laughs> the common denominator here is the scheme changed under a new defensive coordinator, yeah, and a new secondary coach, DK McDonald, took over. That is a good point that not yeah. a lot of them are actually focusing on. They did lose um, Denard Wilson, who was very good for them, and yeah. who was the candidate to replace Jonathan Gannon. Probably should have been the DC, in my opinion, but whatever. It's all that's all water under the bridge. But uh, anyway, so yeah, he doesn't get the job, and he leaves. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. That's could be another reason, major reason why that they're went from. First at thirty first, like I the, the I, look James Bradbury's having a rough year, but he had a great year last year. <laughs> he was one of the best corners last year. I know he was on a contract year, but I mean the difference here to me in the common denominator is the vast difference in the sack numbers and the vast difference of the pass defense. Because people could say, well, they don't have CJ Gardner Johnson. They didn't have him for a long stretch last year either. Five great. games. Yeah, right. that's when Reed Blankenship uh, stepped in and played well. Look, the grass isn't always greener when you switch coordinators, and the Eagles are feeling that right now in a very, very tough way. Because I yeah. think I think the dynamic of Shane Seichin and Nick Sirianni was the same of Doug and Frank, where Nick could trust Shane a little bit more, especially when he turned the play calling over to him completely during the, his rookie season, where he can trust his ideas a little. I would love to be a fly in the room when they were making a script together compared to how him and Brian Johnson are making a script together. Because I can guarantee you it's different. I can guarantee you the trust that he had in Shane is a little bit different than what he has in Brian right now. Because Brian's learning as he goes. Shane was already established. Yeah. Uh, well, but anyway, the defense, yeah. So Desai, yeah, he looked great to start the year. I gave him a lot of props. And he he was good. I mean, he trusted the guys he was bringing into the game. Had a good plan with those players in place. And now all of a sudden... Uh, teams have kind of figured it out and he, you know, he's needs to readjust or teach some different technique or something. I mean, but you know, I, and I, like I said earlier, Roseman didn't do enough at linebacker and maybe even safety, but still you got to win with what you have. Um, and right now the, the two games to me and with no hope of, you know, fixing anything uh, you got to point the finger at the coaching, I guess, um, you know, cause Bayard's a proven player. Sidney Brown should be an ascending player. Blankenship's a really tough player, but, you know, again, he can't stay healthy. Rib injuries, now a concussion, probably won't play Monday, although maybe the extra day will help him get through the protocol. Um, you know, and then the linebackers. I mean, you're that desperate. you got to go out and get Shaq Leonard off the, off the you know, the, the bargain basement aisle in the free agency. I mean, it, that should not be the way you're, you're counting on building your team. I mean – Again, the Kobe Dean's loss affected this team, and uh, but still, you just didn't plan well enough at that position to to be good, and we're seeing it. Oh, and they realized at the last minute that they didn't either because you don't go out and sign Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham to the known names uh, your last couple of weeks of training camp if you didn't feel that way. I know 
Nicobe Dean got hurt in camp, but still, that's when you realized you're like, oh, we might have made a mistake over estimating our linebacking court. Let's go sign two guys and hope it works out. And we obviously know what happened with Miles Jack, which he completely spurned the Eagles pretty much. He pretty much said, I don't really want to play for you guys or something like that because he went to the Steelers. Yeah, I know. Maybe, maybe he saw this coming back in the summer that this was going to be a train wreck. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, he's in a worse situation. But yeah, Zach, yeah, yeah. Zach Cunningham, I mean, unsung hero, and you weren't even, he wasn't even going to be here. That was the last minute. Oh, Dakota Dean got hurt. Let's go get some guys that have experience off the street because we didn't prepare well enough at linebacker. Yeah. And he's been good. I mean, he hasn't been, you know, excellent. He's, best linebacker. he's, he's been he's, very good. He looks good field. because he's the only one they got. Right. But I, I think he's an average player. I mean, oh, he he'll readily admit that he's not that good in coverage. And, you know, he's trying his best. Can't fault him for that. But he's an average linebacker. He's not, you know, what they need at that position. And that you do have to put the blame on Howie there. But at the same time. Well, he was counting on that Kobe Dean to be the guy. And, you know, that we talked about that in the summer. Can he hold up? He got hurt in camp. That should have been an indicator right there that, hey, maybe. I feel like analytics and anybody that uh, that builds a football team that would tell you that's a bad play to put all your eggs in that basket. They had to cut corners somewhere like all teams do. And I guess they felt like, okay, he's going to be the guy and, you know, Cunningham will fill in. We can maybe Ellis will develop. Uh, Maybe miles Jack will be the guy. Um, Come on. I mean, it was a lot of, a lot of ifs and hopes and with what, you know, hopefully this will work and it just hasn't. And it's, it's, it's really telling. They could have just brought Kaiser White back. I feel like two years and six million dollars in Arizona. I know he went with Gannon and Nick Rallis, but I mean, yeah, and he's hurt now. I think his season's over. It's been over for a while. For a while, but still, he would have been a good guy to bring back. Absolutely. So I mean, you're right. How he does have some faults here, but at the same time, I just don't I, miss me with the fact that they're not the same pass rush anymore. When they have basically the same guys outside of Javon Hargrave and Jalen Carter being the differences there, which. Jalen Carter's a great player. Um, and then I, I just I, – I'm not buying the fact that these corners just got washed after one season. There's no way. And Brandon Graham, a year older now, okay? He's 35. Uh, he had 11 sacks last year. What's he have, three this year maybe? Three and a I half? I think he's utilized that well. Well, he, he's playing the limited number of snaps that he played last year, but, you know, he's not as effective – as he was last year. And that could just be that he's just a year older and, you know, he's not as quick, um, you know, but that's a big factor is they got 11 sacks from him last year. He's got three, maybe, maybe three and a half. I'm not sure, but he, he hasn't been answered. They're very thin at the defensive end spot. You know, they did get rid of Barnett. They're just, you know, Quinn say which one about Robert Quinn. when they got him last year. He brought some snaps, let the guys get some rest, even though he might not have been the, you know, put up the numbers at least he was a, a you know a veteran you could throw out there to kind of let sweat rest i mean sweat is playing like 77 percent of the snaps he played 53 percent last year you know and i know he's had some tough duty these last two weeks going against trent williams and then tyron smith but you know he he's never played this many snaps in his career and maybe he's wearing down but who else are you going to put out there on the edge no one smith should have been that guy they increased his snaps this week, you know, didn't really see him a whole lot. Um, but he's a guy like Sidney Brown that probably should have played more snaps early on to take some of the load off of Sweat. Reddick, even, although Reddick is, you know, he's shown no slowdown at all. He's back in double-digit sacks, fourth straight year doing that. 
But guys like Sweat probably need a break, you know, to come out. And, you know, Nolan Smith would have been a good guy to develop through the course of the season. And they haven't done it. And, you know, this is what we're saying is now maybe guys are, are worn down. No matter what Nick Sirianni says, guys could just be wearing down a little bit. Well, they had an extended season, too. Yeah. So, I mean, that that does that. I think the worn down is a very valid argument, but it's not a good excuse because that's so important. Uh-huh. You have to get them prepared to play games. Right. So that's why, you know, the, the point of this podcast is because I know you're right. What you said earlier about Les Bowen's quote from the Flyers player is correct. When when something goes wrong, everything goes wrong It's in sports. That's just how it is. It's not we, we can't just point the fingers at coaching and say, that's it. It's just the coaching's fault and leave it at that. It is the player's fault too. It's an yeah. it's it's the fault everything. of the institution. Yeah, it's everything. Right. So, but the point of the show was to show that I feel, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you and I believe the majority fault here is in coaching. Well, I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think it's definitely coaching, uh, game planning, both sides of the ball, maybe scheme. Uh, you know, Sirianni's been running the same offense for three years. The teams have figured it out. And now he has to adjust. Maybe use some motion. I don't know. Do something different. Maybe develop a third receiver. I don't understand Sean Desai's scheme of always. I mean, I know this is oh, principal right. big, big Vango, but I mean, this guy fears the big play every snap. The safeties were playing so deep against Dallas that Tony Pollard did whatever he wanted, and Tony Pollard's not that good. Well, that's again Nick Sirianni's philosophy is he doesn't want to give up explosive plays. It was John Jonathan Gannon's edict too: is play deep. We don't want to give up a sixty-yard touchdown. True. We don't. True. We don't want to give up an explosive play. So that that isn't a Desai philosophy that I'm aware of, or a Gannon philosophy. That's Nick Sirianni's philosophy, and that's the kind of coordinator he wants: is someone who's willing to do that, to give up the underneath stuff and make teams try to go twelve plays and maybe make a mistake, a holding penalty that puts them behind the sticks, and then they have to punt. But that that's not – I don't think that's the side. That, again, is Nick Sirianni. Good point. That's a good point because you're right. It did happen a lot last year too. It's it's not something new. You're correct. That's a good point. Just correct me on there. I just I, – I can't believe they did that against Dallas. I mean, Dallas is an underneath team. 49ers are an underneath team. They don't really beat you deep. Yeah. Much and neither does Dallas because they don't. I mean, CD Lamb's really a, a volume catcher, he's not a deep threat. So, I I don't know. I just, the yeah, I that's why I'm wanting to think that's what my full up my my choice in the matter was to point the finger at coaching to say it's the majority coaching fault. But I, we do understand at the same time, we're not picking sides here. Players are at fault for this too. Yeah. But I wanted to see what you thought about that. If you thought the coaching was majority at fault, because I agree, I think that's what it is. I, at the end of the day, we're pointing fingers at Sean Desai and we're pointing fingers at Brian Johnson when the finger really should be pointed at Nick Sirianni. Yeah. And listen, that's why we see coaches get fired because you can you fire one guy. You can't fire, you know, 53 players like the Eagles or even when the Phillies, when they went to the World Series after they fired Joe Girardi, you know, 10 games under 500, they bring in a different guy and they start to win. Um, but again, you can't fire 25 25- baseball players you fire one manager that's that's what makes sense so yeah the coaches get the blame and in this case there's plenty of blame to go around coaches players scheme execution focus uh intensity and listen 
they, this schedule, I think, has played a hand in it too. Of this, these last two games, yeah. I think they're fried, man. They played two overtime games. They they played Dallas, and yeah, they had the bye, but then they come out and they play the Chiefs. They play who the Bills, then the 49ers. I mean, and you're coming back in those games. It's not like you're getting ahead and you can take a breath. You got to fight tooth and nail to come back to win those games, and and that takes a toll. And then that's just the point of the season that they're in when the toll is being taken and you're losing these games. But so that's another reason why I I still keep the faith alive because the talent's there. There's no question about it. The Eagles are a very talented football team and they can win with the talent that they have. How far they can they win with the talent that they have? I don't know now with how the coaching is going and I don't know with how the defense is producing how far it can go. But they do have the talent to yeah. compete with the 49ers and compete with the Cowboys. And that's what the most disappointing part of it all is. And maybe they'll see them again, and maybe the outcome will be different. Certainly, you'd rather lose now and, you know, face all this scrutiny than you would rather lose to them in January, you know. So if it's a trade-off, if they come back and they play them again and they beat them, all this is forgotten about. All is good again. Um, but I haven't beaten yeah. Seattle in 15 years, so they're going to have a tough ta- tougher test than what many expect this weekend, and we will be talking about that later in the week as well. Um, I just wanted to say – I'm not with you on that Nick Sirianni take, though. What, that he's going to get fired if he he's loses? He's not getting fired, not yet. I, mean, no, I, 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 I don't think so. Well. No, I don't I don't, I don't. don't think so. Um, I think there will be a warning, and they will be, hey, we're going to we're gonna make some changes now. Because once you have – if they go – let's just say, theoretically, the Eagles go into the playoffs as the fifth seed, and they play the Bucks and Bucks or Falcons, probably Bucks in the first round and they win. Do you think that's enough for Jeffrey Leary? Because if after that, it's going to be tough sledding. So do you think that's enough if they just get a wild card win? I don't know. No, there's no way. There's no way that's enough for Jeffrey Leary. So I don't know. I mean, Nick Sirianni's a popular guy. In that Jeffrey game. Leary was pissed when they won off the double doink. They're not, he, that, that's, that wouldn't be enough for him. With the talent that they have on this team, that wouldn't be enough for him. So he would probably call Nick into his office. They'd probably give him, I don't want to say he'd give him the ultimatum that he gave Doug, but I would say he would suggest to him, we're going to change some people here. And you're going to make the changes, though. But you're going to do it. Yeah. That's what I think would happen. Probably. probably. If they just beat the Bucks, if they just win the, oh, let's leave the Bucks out of it. If they just win the wild card game, I feel like then that's the changes are going to be made. If they get past the Walker game, they get past the divisional round, then I think everybody's safe. Maybe. Let's see. We'll find out. There's just too too talented to lose 42 to 19 and then to lose uh 33-13. They're too talented for that. That's just way too talented for that. Yep. I agree. They didn't even score off into touchdown against Dallas. All right, guys. That's gonna do it for us. We'll talk later in the week to get discussed this game against Seattle. It's not gonna be as easy as you guys are making it. I know what the odds are making it out to be because I don't know why they just don't do well in Seattle, regardless if it's Andy Reid, regardless if it's Doug Peterson. They don't what are the well. odds? What, what are, are the Eagles favored in this game? Yeah, the Eagles are favored. How much? Like three? Eagles, no, four and a half. Oof. I'm pretty sure it's four and a half, but I think that's I think Drew Locke is playing a lot into the odds. Yeah, Jason Peters. Let's see old Jason Peters again. He's playing for the Seahawks. Left tackle. He fills in. Right, no, he's been playing right tackle. Right tackle. I yeah. can't believe that. That man is a specimen. He's played left yeah. tackle, and then he went from left tackle for like 18 years yeah. to right guard and right tackle real quick for multiple teams. That's, that's yeah, wow. Hats off to him, man. 
Hats off to him because what he's doing is incredible. But that's going to do it for us, guys. We'll talk later in the week, discuss the Seahawks game. Thank you for tuning in. Sorry that it's a depressing atmosphere right now, but we're just trying to figure out what's going on with this team. And I know it's not to point the fingers, but that's what we're doing. We're trying to figure out what's going on. So I'll do it for us. We'll talk to you guys later this week, hopefully in better spirits. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.